it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Rico Bronia time. Good news, Met fans. We are not bringing anybody on the show hates the Mets, or stuck it to the Mets, or caused us to have miserable lives. Uh, there will be no Adam Wainwright today on Rico Bronia. We do appreciate all the people that have downloaded Rico Bronia, that subscribe to Rico Bronia, that rate one way or the other Rico Bronia. So thank you for that. Continue to do that. That's cool. But I am surprised by some of the reaction to chatting with Adam Wainwright. It was like I was talking to Satan. It was as if... Why would you give Satan a chair at the table? Now, there are a lot of people that like the conversation, that enjoyed our discussion, including me telling him to go F himself. But more on that later. Obviously, there's a lot of current Mets to talk about right now, including what is, to me, the biggest news of the week and the biggest news of the week that still bothers me even a few days later. And that's the fact that Justin Turner signed a one-year contract with the Toronto Blue Jays. We have done quite a few pods during this offseason talking about bats and talking about the options offensively and to me why it's a misnomer when people say they shouldn't add a bat because you gotta have as many plate appearances available for the young players i think that's i don't want to say it's a lie but it's crap it's bs we've gone through this roster we've gone through who's on this roster and we've gone through how it's pretty simple to sign a veteran for that veteran to get at bats to make your team better but then simultaneously developing the kids that you have. Now, right now, the Mets have Harrison Bader at the beginning of the season getting consistent at-bats. That may not be the case come the middle of June or July. It'll be easy to turn Harrison Bader into what he truly is, which is a fourth outfielder. Starling Marte, Brandon Nimmo, I hope they stay healthy. They may not stay healthy. That also will create opportunities for young players, whether it's Drew Gilbert or it's Luis Anil Acuna or it's Jet Williams, the versatility of Jeff McNeil, the fact that he can go play the outfield. Look, I don't want to go over this again. I think if you've listened and you know the roster, you agree with me. Signing a bat does not blockade young players from playing. It's a fallacy. And every time it's said, I got to tell you, it annoys me more and more because I feel like I have to argue this over and over again. And I don't think there's that much to argue. Like, you can do two things at once. You can chew gum and walk at the same time. You can improve this lineup. By adding a real bat, specifically a DH, and simultaneously develop the young players you have. The idea that it's one or the other genuinely pisses me off. So why I was disappointed about Justin Turner is because when we ranked the DH bats, or the bats that this team could add, realistically, on one or two-year deals, to me, and this one is certainly a much more debatable issue, 
Justin Turner was number one on my list. We went over that a million different ways on adding a bat, where that guy would play, what they would bring to this lineup. Look, Justin Turner didn't bring the power that a J.D. Martinez has. No question about it. But he brings, A, the ability to play a position, third base, even if it's not that well. The ability to DH, obviously. And he's a professional hitter. He's a good hitter. He gives you a war of an at-bat every time up. And if you look at his numbers, he's not showing signs that his age is getting to him. He's not showing signs that he's going to break down. Obviously, anybody could break down. But you have to make smart projections on guys. And I don't think there's any evidence that Justin Turner was going to break down. So to me, and Pete and I went back and forth on this, and I forget who your number one bat that you wanted to add was because this is something we've talked about for months. I don't think it was Turner. Was it somebody else who was your preferenced DH bat? I think it was J.D. Martinez, even though I kind of like fell into it because I didn't really want him to start the the free agency, but just because of how things landed, that's where it was. But again, I'm not really against anybody there's no right answer here. That's the thing is, I don't. I, I know that you're upset about Justin Turner. I know that that's your guy. That was my J.D. Martinez last year. It made total sense, and it could bite him in the butt this year for sure. Well, but but I've also, I admit this, and I said this on the air a couple of days ago. I was saying, just give me a stick. I, that's the way I am right now. Like, I'll take anybody. Like, we can sit here and parse the different bats that are available, but I think they have gotten me to that point in the, off season. It is now February. We are now two weeks away from the start of spring training. And it's just give me any human being. That's a professional bat. You know, a few have dropped off a few that we were eyeing dropped off. Guy like Jock Peterson is gone. He's not available anymore. I'm not unrealistic enough to think that they're going to go sign Matt Chapman. I don't even want them to sign Matt Chapman or Cody Bellinger or guys like that. So I'm in that spot right now where I just want anybody on a one-year deal. And yeah, once you sign the guy, we'll break the guy down and determine if it was the best option or not. But they have, the Mets have gotten me in February, and I'm not sure if everyone else is there on this, where beggars can't be choosers. Just get me a bat. Don't go into spring training and not add a bat. It's going to annoy me. I'm starting to get worried that that's where where we're going. And I do think it makes a difference. I'm sorry. Like right now, I believe in the plan that they have of one-year bridge deals, giving young players an opportunity, and then hopefully next year, this team is ready to compete, compete. But in the meantime, you can compete. How I use the word once, but next year you use the word twice. Because next year's like, compete. This year is compete. Now I'm changing just the tone of the word compete. But I think you know what I mean. Yeah, I personally, I personally like the tone change rather than double compete because that sometimes can get confusing. It might be just like you're stuttering and like you know, forget. It. Like the change in volume makes the emphasis of compete better. Yeah, I'll go with compete, uh, compete, and compete. So this year they can compete because it doesn't take much to make a postseason spot in Major League Baseball. So. If you had a real bat, and maybe now it's J.D. Martinez or it's Jorge Soler, though I think Soler is going to demand multiple years, is that the difference between 82 and 85 wins? That's a big deal. Like, 82 wins means no playoffs. 85 wins could mean the playoffs. And by the way, when you're in the playoffs, as the Diamondbacks proved, crazy shit can happen. So... They have trained me like a dog. 
I admit that. I am Fido right now. They have gotten me to the point where any kind of treat is a good treat. Anything they put in that hand for me to eat, I want to eat. So any bat they add is a good bat. Like, will I be bitching about it in the middle of June if that said bat is hitting 177? Well, of course we will. But right now on February 1st, I just want a bat. Now, the good news is I got good news and I got bad news. The bad news is guys are coming off the board like a Justin Turner. The good news is there are still available guys. There are still guys that clearly make this lineup better. And I'll tell you this, because I know there's also the thought of adding a bullpen arm, whether it's Ryan Stanek, whether it's bringing back Aaron Loop. It's not going to be Wandy Peralta. We learned that this week because he signed that weird contract with San Diego where he's got four different opt-outs or three different opt-outs on a four-year deal. And yeah, I would have liked to have signed Wandy Peralta. Yes, I'd like to add a bullpen arm, of course. But if you're asking me the preference, if you're asking me the thing that can complete this offseason in a stronger way, it'd be the bat. Like, that's where I'm partial to. They added Adam Adovino. We all understand the risks with Adam. He's been here for two years, had a very good first year. We touched on it a little bit in the open of the Wayno pro, uh, uh, podcast. But I am more on the side of you got to add a major league bat. And it doesn't take away the at-bats of young players, which is just, it's the freaking fallacy that just pisses me off every time I hear that. I have to it, tell you. He, here's the weird thing, right? So you just named, like, you know, the fact that there's been certain people now. Jock Peterson's off the board, but there's Cody Bellinger's around. And I'm not saying that they're going to get Cody Bellinger. They're going to get um, Jorge Soler. I have no idea. I really have no idea. Right. But, but what is, I understand they made a, a point of, like, a, three or four weeks ago that this $10 million mark was what they had available left in this offseason. Are they trying to wait for the price to drop off so that they can sign multiple people rather than just put a chunk of change into one person? And if that's the case, if that's the case, when did we become poor again? Well, but that's the, I, I, if that's the case, I don't know what the Mets are going to do. Like I sit here right now, I, I'd make a prediction and it's probably negative because maybe I'm in a negative sports mood right now based on the other crappy teams I root for. So that prediction really doesn't hold a lot of water. Like if you ask me today, my mood is negative enough to say they're not adding anybody, but let's say you're right. Like the thing you just came up with of they're waiting. There's still guys available, you know, like Adam Duvall is available and they just want him to be dirt cheap. Tim Anderson, I know he may not fit as well, but as a middle infielder is still available. Maybe they're waiting for him to be dirt cheap. You know, examples like that. David Peralta is a nice little bat. Maybe they're waiting for him to be dirt cheap. That's not being cheap. That's not being the will ponds. That is being smart. I will say that. Like if you're getting players that you want, and you're getting them at a discounted rate because you played the long game of I'm going to wait out this offseason, I'm not going to bitch about that. Like, that's just being a smart businessman. Like, one thing about billionaires is that billionaires are smart. There's a reason they became billionaires, because they don't just throw money away. So I'm not against that if that's the end game. Now, the problem is David Stearns is not whispering into my ear or your ear, hey, don't worry. Like, hey, we got, we will add a bat. Just calm down. We're playing the long game. If I was getting that whisper, 
if we as Met fans were getting that whisper, then I wouldn't mind. I'd be calm. I'd say, okay, I get it. You want to be smart with your money. You figure we could actually add two bats. Let's wait till February 17th because the prices are going to come down. What I'm skeptical about, though, with that, Pete, is that I tend to think the prices don't come down. I think that we start to think that they will. And let's use the bigger free agents as the example. And I know those are not the guys the Mets are going to end up with, nor should they, by the way. And I'm not per pursuing that anyway. Matt Chapman and Cody Bellinger and Blake Snell, I think are going to get big contracts. I do. I They may not get the Boris ask. I'm certainly not suggesting that. But I think they're going to end up getting big-time deals. It's just it, it takes a while. And Scott Boris, his agent, also the agent of Pete Alonzo, has shown you he's willing to wait. And sometimes when he waits, he gets the money. So I am not under the belief that, hey, just keep waiting this out. You're going to get Matt Chapman on a one-year deal. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. I think these guys are ultimately going to get their long-term deals. But what starts to become worrisome is that the bats start to come off the market. Like, you just start to lose decent options. You know, right now, who are the best offensive options? Think about it. Like, I I'll go through the list. I'll give you names. You tell me if they're good off offensive options. J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler are the two guys we've talked most about. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Pete, so you may want to Google it. Daniel Vogelback. Have you heard of this guy? He's still a free agent. Vogelback? Yeah, I think, I think uh, I'll think i pass. If we can't pronounce it, we can't get him. <laughs> Uh, old friend Jesse Winker is still available in free agency. Randall Gritchick is still available in free agency. Uh, let's see who else on the list. Adam Duval, who I did want last year. I think a year ago at this time, I was begging for Duval. He just has a tough time staying healthy. Like I think he's a good ball player. He's good defensively. He's a nice little stick, but his biggest problem is he's just never on the field. Uh, Tommy Pham is still a free agent if you want to bring him back. I mentioned David Peralta as a throwaway, but David Peralta, Robbie Grossman, Brian Anderson, uh, Josh Donaldson. <laughs> Is Conforto still available or he gets signed up? No, nah, he ended, Conforto actually ended up picking up his option. He never got to free agency. Oh, he had a player right. option, and very early on he picked it up. So Another Boris guy. Available. Yep. Uh, Tim Anderson, I mentioned. Ahmed Rosario is still available. Not that you would consider him a DH guy. Whit Merrifield, by the way, still available. And, it, and by the way, it doesn't have to be a DH. Like, it just needs to be a bat. Like, if that bat happens to play a position, that's not a bad thing. Because ideally, you know, the DH spot in a perfect world is used for multiple different people throughout a season. That's why I prefer a guy like Turner, because he does play a position. A guy can go play third base. But, uh, but, Reese Hoskins is obviously off board signing that Brewer deal, and that's pretty much it. Like, I don't think I've missed anybody. Those are the trade options now, uh, free agent options. You want to go trade for Eloy Jimenez? I mean, the White Sox are basically begging anybody to take him. I guess that's an option, but that's what we're talking about right now, and it's not a long, sexy list, that's for sure. Well, but the one thing I, you know, it, I'm trying to be a little bit more picky, I guess, with the bat that they bring in. Like, I like Whit Merrifield. I like Tim Anderson as far as bounce backs, but like those are still not significant bats because they're not gonna they're not protecting Pete Alonzo. No. They're not protecting that offense. So it's almost like, yeah, it's nice to bring them those bats in, but they're also not doing the job that we need. 
No, I look, I think the only guys in free agency that fit that bill, like a guy you could put behind Pete and say, hey, that's offering protection if you buy that is J.D. Martinez and Jorge Soler. I think that's it. I think Turner and Hoskins were part of that mix, but they're gone. They're not available anymore. And I, I mentioned trade options. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I don't know how many of them exist right now, especially when you get closer to spring training. So... I think we just have to prepare ourselves that this offseason is it's not a disaster. Like, I don't think that's fair to say. And we will have a podcast coming up right before spring training in which we rank the worst offseasons in the history of the New York Mets. It's not a disaster. It's just disappointing. And it's disappointing, but it's mildly surprising. And when I say mildly, what I mean by that is I knew when I said it on this pod, they're going to go after Yamamoto. I thought Otani, and we could argue how serious they were after him. But after that, there'd be a big drop-off. That part doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me that there was a big drop-off after they didn't get the big guys. What I was more hopeful for is that they would be more aggressive in their one-year contracts that they've handed out. That, okay, they'll fill out their rotation, which they did with Manaya and Severino, though Sevi was early in trading for Hauser. And yeah, they added Bader and they acquired Tyrone Taylor, but I thought there would be more. I just thought there would be more aggressiveness on the one-year contracts. And that's where it becomes disappointing. Disaster, though, the reason I don't like disaster is disaster means you did something really, really stupid. They haven't done anything stupid. They just didn't do enough. And we are going to go into spring training in a couple of weeks with a lot of fingers crossed. And, you know, I, I pencil down, okay, this is my lineup. This is my rotation of things. And everything feels more neat and organized with one more bat. Because... Right now, Harrison Bader is the everyday center fielder. Now, we debated that a few weeks ago, and I've always said he's a fourth outfielder. Ideally, he's not playing every day. And certainly there's a way where he's not playing every day by the middle of May or June because of the young players that could come up and supplant him. But at the beginning of the season, he plays every day. And that means the DH spot is DJ Stewart and Mark Vientos. And it also pisses me off when we include DJ Stewart as part of the young guys. He's not part of the young guy. He's 30. We're we talking about young guy. He's not young. So 
there aren't a lot of young guys, at least at the beginning, that you're getting at-bats for. Like, Beatty's going to play anyway. I think Vientos was going to play anyway. You'd find at-bats for him. You're really talking about the potential call-up of Acuna and Jet. I like calling him Jet. It makes me think I'm like talking to my son, but Jet Williams, Luis Angel Acuna, Andrew Gilbert. By the way, speaking of those prospects, I do want to point this out. The top 100 prospect list came out. I know ESPN had their top 100 prospect list, and the Mets had six in the top 100. Does that make you feel good? Is that like a, hey, we're back kind of feel, Pete, when you saw that come out uh, earlier today? No, because I'd like to see them do something. Like, I mean, <laughs> that's what I'd like to. I, you, I'm not excited about the prospects until they're actually on the field. Well, they've got six prospects, which is tied for second amongst the most top 100 prospects. The Tigers, the Padres, the Reds, and the Yankees also have six. Here are six, by the way. Jet Williams is our tippy top at 31, which is good, but... He's not the fifth best prospect in baseball. He's the 31st best prospect in baseball. Not a knock on him. Obviously, he could still be a superstar. I'm just saying. It's not like we've got number five, seven, and a 12. Uh, we've got 31 in Jet Williams. We got 39 in Drew Gilbert. And Drew Gilbert being at 39 is the reason why I hesitate on the whole, hey, going back to last year, I didn't want to trade Verlander. I would have felt better by not trading him, and we'd feel better about this season if they hadn't traded him just looking at the rotation. But when you see two prospects that came back in that deal in the top 100, it's tough to crap on that deal. That's where you hesitate. It's tough to say I wouldn't have done it when the guy who may be, who may be playing center field like June 1st was in that deal. So Drew Gilbert's at 39. Luis Angel Acuna, obviously the Scherzer deal is at 58. Ronnie Mauricio, I hate seeing his name. That depresses me and probably depresses him. Ronnie Mauricio is at 72. Ryan Clifford, who also came in the Verlander deal, is at 80. Clifford, though, I, it, it seems like is more than a year away. Like, we're not seeing Ryan Clifford this season. So, those other prospects I mentioned, Jet Williams we may, Drew Gilbert we may, and obviously Mauricio, it's based on health. And then the one that really excited me was Christian Scott. Christian Scott is at 99. He just made the top 100. And why that excites me is because, guess what? Christian Scott's a pitcher. How cool is that? And Scott's one of those guys where I admit I hadn't heard of him till last year. All of a sudden, he was that guy who you see put up these great numbers in Brooklyn and St. Lucie. And you're like, whoa, is this guy good? What's up with this guy? And then he actually ended it at double A Binghamton. Did he get to Binghamton? Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Now I got to look it up. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I got that part wrong. But Christian Scott was not walking anybody. He was striking out a ton of different guys. He had a low ERA. He was a pitcher that jumped out at us. Um, yeah, he was at Binghamton. He pitched in the Eastern League Championship. But he had a really, really good season in Brooklyn and then eventually Binghamton. And that's cool to see because I think we feel it with the position players. We can sense it with the position players on their way up. It's tougher to sense it with the starting pitching. So for Christian Scott to break the top 100 is very, very cool. And also, this rotation that David Stearns built feels like a temp rotation. It feels like, uh, hey, let's see what we can get from Sean Manaya and Adrian Hauser and Luis Severino, but there's certainly no guarantee they're going to be here next year. And by the way, you could argue that no matter what happens, they won't be. Hear me out on this. 
if Severino has a dominant season, like he's great. And now all of a sudden he gets back in a free agency and he's asking for a hundred million dollars. Are we giving that to him when Pete Alonso is also a free agent and then other more proven starters are free agents? I don't know. Sean and I is kind of the same thing. Like what if everything works out, right? All these guys have great years. We're re-signing all of them. Probably not considering we're going to want to make aggressive additions. So I guess the moral of the story is don't buy your kids uh, Luis Severino or Adrian Hauser jersey because you may have to trade it in next year. So I know you were thinking about that, Pete, especially with Hauser. Uh, you may want to wait on that. Don't buy that jersey right away, okay? You know, this is why the Yankees have it better than us when it comes down to the jerseys because you could just buy a number. It's all good. <laughs> it's, a, it's a rental. It doesn't make a difference. Yes, that is true. It's also... Like, but then you also can't show who you're wearing. It's a game. It's an assumption. Like, if I show up at Yankee Stadium, I'm wearing a 25. You can assume it's Glenn. Maybe it's Jason Giambi. Maybe it's Mark Deshera. You have no idea. So, I prefer our team. I prefer the fact that we put our names on the back. Were you offended, by the way, by Travis Darno uh, saying that he basically hates us when he was asked, "Who do you get most angry at when you're playing?" And he said the Mets after he thought about it for a while. I, I did up until I actually saw a Twitter reply from him, if I think it was real, unless someone made it up, he responded with two things. One, he's upset how bad he played, and two, he's upset that he could never win in 2015 with the the Mets. Like, he's upset by that. Yeah, I I think he tried to clean it up by saying that, by the way. I think he tried to... He's still an asshole. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, we got a lot of emails from people who were either really happy with the Adam Wainwright interview or very upset with the Adam Wainwright interview. So I do want to address that, and we'll mix in some other emails. You can always email the pod, the Rico B at gmail.com. Samuel Lowenthal write, Met Killers, why? I listened to the first five minutes of the Adam Wainwright interview, and then I turned it off, and I'm vowing to not listen to any more of those Met Killer interviews. And I've got to ask the question, why? Why did you think that was a good idea? <laughs> what am I as a Mets fan getting out of this of all places on the sacred Rico Bronia? I don't want to hear how good it felt for Adam Wainwright, the silent chase stadium, nor do I need to hear how great or not great Mets fans are or anything else. He says, all this is doing is bringing back awful memories, like soothing my crying son who didn't want to believe they lost the game. Why would I want to hear from Chase Utley or Chipper Jones? or any of these guys who tortured the Mets for years. The whole premise of doing this, and on the Rico of all places, is beyond my understanding. It's one thing to do the rewatch of a painful loss. You'll dissect the strategy, inning to inning. There's a ton to talk about, notwithstanding the pain of reliving the loss. But the idea of interviewing Met killers is one I hope you abandon quickly. <laughs> I do. I do appreciate that. Dude, I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate Sam saying that is the worst idea ever, and I will never listen to it. I do. What? I respect what? You. My favorite though from him is, "What made you think this was a good idea?" It's like I'm talking to my wife. Like, <laughs> why did you do that? What? What made you think that this was a great thought process? But I'm going to tell I you. Yeah, I'm going to tell you my thought, um, and you don't have to agree with it, Sam. I res- totally respect that. My thought is therapy. That this was therapy. And it it felt like that for me. You know, I don't like Adam Wainwright. You know, what happened that night, and I, I, 
obviously the rewatch is coming up. It's our very next episode on Rico Bronia. So if you haven't watched game seven of the 06 NLCS, you can, you should, you don't have to, you could still listen to our pod. That's going to drop this weekend, but we're, we are going to go through what Sam said, the strategy, just a lot of things about it, especially because that's a game I never watched. I was there. So for me watching it, and Joe Bach and Tim McCarver and even Luis Gonzalez, who, if you haven't heard, was the third man in that. Like, that was a brand new experience for me. I, I'd never seen that. But I don't like Adam Wainwright. And I thought talking to him and letting out my own frustration and telling him certain things, not just the go F yourself at the beginning, but even saying, hey, remember when you struck out Jose Valentin in game five? BS, wasn't a strike. And he seemed a little perturbed by that, by the way. His, his retort was, Tom Glavin got a lot of strikes. I'm like, you know what? Fuck that guy, too. Well, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I was about to say that to him, but I was like, he's not going to understand that. And then I'm going to have to explain why I hate Tom Glavin as well, even though he's our guy who was getting, you know, strikes six inches off the plate. But what? actually, Wainwright's from Georgia. He certainly knows why we don't like Tom Glavin. But... I thought therapeutic. Now, you don't have to think that, Sam. I respect that. The beautiful thing about the pod is when you see the Met Killer series, don't listen to it. Who will we have next? I don't know. There's a lot of options. <laughs> I can tell you that right now. And listen, I, I honestly, you said you don't have to listen to uh, Adam Wainwright. You don't have to listen to, you don't have to watch the playback. But I'll tell you this much. I would listen to it just because in the Adam Wainwright interview, you talk about like some of the bigger moments in that game seven and then to rewatch it, it's kind of crazy the process that the, some things go through. And again, we'll get into it more when we do the actual rewatch episode. But I watched the I watched the the game after listening to the Adam Wainwright interview, and it may it was just it pissed me off that much more. So Indeed. maybe you don't maybe you don't do it. <laughs> Jeff Cohen has more suggestions. He says, I've always hated this guy from Philly. You got to get Pat Burl on. He always had a knack for killing the Mets. Uh, yes, Pat Burl was an absolute Met killer. I mean, that is no question. Trust me. He was a killer. His overall, no, I don't even know what they are, but it seems like he had about 57 home runs against the Mets. Ryan Fennel writes, Evan, I love the Wainwright killers pod. He was a great interview, and I really enjoyed the insight he offered on his strategy in the Beltran at-bat, and also the inspiring story to stay in the big leagues. Keep doing that. Luckily for you, there's no shortage of Met killers. That is unfortunately the case. <laughs> Jim writes, gentlemen, I just got done listening to Adam the Rednecks interview, and it was enjoyable. I enjoy hearing some of his perspective. <laughs> I love how he insults him, and then he's like, yeah, but he was good. A future Met killer should be John Rocker. Thanks. Believe it or not, I actually interviewed John Rocker many years ago in person when I was working at Sirius Radio, and he didn't like me very much. It did not go. We it did not go very well. <laughs> it did, did not. Did you tell him to go fuck himself? I don't think I ever did. I think I came pretty close. And he had a very attractive girl with him at the time. I don't know if he thought I was hitting on her or something like that. I swear to God, I wasn't. Like I'm going to steal John Rocker's girl. Like, is that really a thing? Though that would be awesome. Back in the day, that would have been like the greatest feather in my cap. Uh, SF New York writes, thanks. What an amazingly great interview that was. 
did a great job, but Adam has one of those memories where everything is still fresh for him and those kind of people will always be great interviews. He is right. What I was so curious about, because I find it fascinating sometimes with Tiki when I ask him, do you remember this from your NFL career? And there's certain things like, yes, he remembers. Then there's certain things he's like, he has no idea. He doesn't remember it. Now, Wainwright's career is obviously more recent. He literally just retired, but... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Hearing him break down the Victor Diaz at bat, like that one was actually most fascinating to me because Adam Wainwright made his major league debut against the Mets, as we talked about in 2005. And I don't remember this because Adam Wainwright making his major league debut did not jump out at me late in the 2005 season. But I look back at it, I had a scorecard of it, and I see that Victor Diaz hit a home run off of him. So I knew that. And asking Adam and having him break down that whole inning, including Victor Diaz, who he had faced in the minor leagues, was kind of great. I enjoyed that. Uh, Gary Waldman also liked the Adam Wainwright interview. Uh, Zach Zoman Freed, uh, let's see, did he like it? Yeah, he likes it. Okay, good. So there's, there's a few people that liked it, other than that guy who said he will never, ever listen again. Uh, there was one letter I got. And I think I posted it on social media because it was so over the top with anger over the Adam Wainwright interview that it really cracked me up, that I felt the need that I had to put it out on social media because it made me laugh. And I'm pulling it up right now so I can read it to all of you. Here it is. <laughs> Just horrible and awful. You humanized him. And that is, from this Met fan's perspective, disgraceful. They are killers. They are mafia hitmen. There are no redeeming qualities. What's next? Are we going to find out that Chase Utley's a good dancer and is kind to small children? Or that Pete Rose helps little old ladies across the street? No, no, no. <laughs> I think that's my favorite one. <laughs> I think that's my favorite discussion point on it. But uh, there may be another Met Killer series. I warn you. I warn you. And, and yes, there are many, many options. I think the guy I probably hate the most, if I really thought about it. You know, Chipper Jones is obviously the most legendary Met Killer. Derek Jeter was an incredible Met Killer. I was talking to Beningo the other day, and he told me, he's like, bro, my the number one Met Killer is Jeter. And he's not wrong. When you think about the 2000 World Series and then just the, everything he did to the Mets over the years. But I think the guy I hate the most is Clemens. I do. I think that 
You know, you talk about humanizing guys, and Adam Wainwright was a good interview. There's no doubt. He does come across like a good dude. And it's easy to walk away and say, okay, he stuck it to me, but I like him. Roger Clemens, just the thought of him makes me sick. Like, he is a vile person. He threw a freaking bat at Mike Piazza. I can't get over that. It's not steroids. It's not HGH. It's it's not that. I promise you. It's literally that it bothers me to this day that the throwing of the bat at Mike Piazza is just accepted like, well, he thought it was the ball. Like, I've heard people say that to me, and it's like, no, <laughs> he thought it was the ball. He threw a freaking bat at our guy. So that one kills me. That one really, really kills me. I will give this advice uh, before you watch. If you have not watched game seven of the 06 NLCS for our rewatch that we are posting this weekend, and we'll do a podcast breaking that whole game down. I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to give you prep time for this. In the top of the ninth inning, after Yachty Molina hits the home run, you may catch a young Evan Roberts. I may be there. Now, you may have seen a still shot from the past because I had it as my Twitter avatar for a while, but you may get to see the whole video. And so the game I want you to play, because I didn't know the answer, was when you find young Evan Roberts, if you do, what Met jersey was I wearing? Now, you got to find it, all right? So I'll, I'll put the link out on YouTube. In fact, we'll put the link out on the pod, too. I think it's probably a good idea for when we do the watch, the rewatch of game seven of the 2006 NLCS. But in that ninth inning, I'm not going to tell you when, but in that ninth inning, after the pain really, really hits, Fox decided to show every fan in that stadium, including myself. I was just some schmuck sitting there. And I am sitting there with very long sideburns and very red hair. <laughs> and I'm wearing a Met jersey. But the question is, what Met jersey am I wearing? The first person to email the correct answer to the RicoB at gmail.com. Or, you know what? Make it better. This will make Pete really happy as a podcast guy. The first person to answer it correctly in the comment section of when you download the podcast. First person. I think I'll give you tickets to one of my uh, one of my seats for a Met game this year. I think I'll do that. So starting right now, and it's not email. I just changed my mind. The first person to correctly identify it in the comments section, wherever you download Eureka Bronia correctly. I'd be correct. And you got to watch it, man, because I don't think anyone's going to get it by guessing. I got to be honest with you. I think I will find a mutually agreed upon game and I give you tickets, my seats, City Field. That seems like a good deal, right, Pete? You like that deal? I think it's great. It's just not the Mets-Yankees game. <laughs> and it's not Docker Daryl's retirement right, ceremony. Yeah. Hey, Sorry. they just they just put out the promos. Is it, are you, is it gonna be um what what nights did, what were the special nights? I saw there was like four firework nights. There was a, a football jersey. No, not the football jersey. They got a football jersey. Yeah, they night. they've got a lot of different jerseys. I think I've even written it down on my okay. You want you want me to tell you the list? I got it right yeah, here. Yeah. So go. Monday, April 1st is rugby shirt night against the Tigers. Sunday, April 14th is the Doc Retirement Ceremony, which I know a lot of people are like, really? You're doing this on a Sunday in April when the weather's going to be terrible? But that's what they're doing. They're giving away a Hogwarts scarf 
which is, I think, a Harry Potter thing, right, Pete? That's I, a Harry I think, Potter thing? I think so. I've never watched it, but yeah, it sounds sounds about right. A Mr. Met bobblehead in May against the Braves. A firework night in May against Arizona. The Dower retirement ceremony on a Saturday against Arizona. A Hawaiian shirt on a Saturday against the Padres. Fireworks night on a Friday against the Astros. A basketball jersey on Sunday against the Astros. A soccer jersey on a Tuesday against the Nats. A Brandon Nimmo bobblehead on a Friday against the Rockies. A bucket hat on a Saturday against the Rockies. How about this? How about this one? A pickleball paddle. Oh, how and about that? On a Thursday against the Braves. <laughs> Fireworks night against the Braves. A Lindor bobblehead. A football jersey against the Marlins. Those are the ones I wrote down. That's what I got. And and I think we talked about this on a previous Rico. So this is not new news if you're a diehard Rico listener. But the Mets brought attention to it recently that their Saturday games are all going to be uh, early in the season, the Saturday games are at one forty, and then later in the season, by May or so, they move to four o'clock. And they did that because they put out a survey, and I think I remember talking about the survey they sent out the season ticket holders, where they said start times that you prefer. And for weeknight games, they gave you like seven o'clock, six o'clock, eight thirty. I'm like eight thirty. That's crazy. Though I did just go to a basketball game that started at eight thirty, so I guess it happens. But apparently a lot of people wanted those early Saturday games. I know we're all different. We're all different human beings and we have different lifestyles and some have kids and some don't have kids. I thought Saturday afternoon is a tough time to take your kid to the game because a lot of kids do activities. They do baseball. They do soccer. They do whatever it is. Like I always found Saturday night to be easier. I know it's nighttime, but I found that always to be easier to take, especially my oldest to a Met game. But I guess I'm in the minority because most people voted upon that little survey to have the games in the afternoon. I find them. I got to tell you, Pete, I find them more difficult to go to with kids no, specifically. I mean, I, I agree. And you have to make a choice on the weekend. Like what, what is the plan of action? Cause I, I, again, like all the activities and then to go to a game, you're tired by that point. And I'm not trying to make excuses, but here's the thing is the day part. It's like, that is the event for the day. Right. That's that is true. To do. Yeah, that's true. It's look, it, one thing about start times, it's all about your lifestyle. It's all about what you're doing and everybody's different. So I can't tell you there's no right answer to it. And my answer today is far different than maybe it was 10 years ago, just because I'm in a different place. Like selfishly with those weeknight games, I want them to start as late as possible. Why? Because I work until 630. <laughs> so yeah. And so if you're out there and you work till seven, you'd probably be like, yeah, start those games late. I don't want them starting early. So it's all a difference of opinion. But man, I, I can't I can't tell you how excited I am for spring training. You know, as much as we crap on the moves and are anxious about a move that we hope they make that they probably won't make. Uh, the fact that spring training is a few weeks away is a very, very exciting thing. And when it starts, we'll be all over it. We'll be covering spring training. We'll be breaking stuff down. We'll be Ricoing all over the place. There'll be Rico. There'll be so many Ricos, you won't even know what to do with it. <laughs> but your homework assignment, ladies and gentlemen, is that our very next Rico Bronya, barring breaking news, because we always jump in with that, will be our big rewatch, Game 7 of the 2006 National League Championship Series. I look forward to talking to it with everybody. Always appreciate the emails to RicoB at gmail.com. The Rico B at gmail.com. We appreciate you listening and downloading 
another edition of Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times. <laughs>